Gary Paspas and Daryl Rideau here on the We Are SC podcast, Sunday morning cornerback edition, talking the Cal game review. And, uh, Daryl, the, the Trojans sitting at 4-0, we know that. But, boy, when you were watching that game yesterday uh, in Memorial Stadium, certainly for three quarters, uh, that was a football game. And, and the Trojans, once again, finding their way to overcome uh, what the opponent had brought, because the opponent had a good plan to attack USC. There's no question about that. And that was a more physical Cal team than we have seen in recent years. Kudos to Justin Wilcox for what you're building there. But tell me what your biggest takeaways are in terms of this team and how they were able to, again, overcome some adversity and win the football game. Well, Gary, we thought all week that this potentially, uh, while the season, as you were looking at the season overall, might not have appeared to be, but this game certainly felt like a trap game with many of the question marks that USC had coming into this game pertaining to the health of its team and, and really the, the chemistry and the camaraderie between skilled offensive players and the likes of a Sam Darnold thrown to these players. Uh, my, my takeaway was all of the hype coming into this game that seems to be lingering around this team throughout is it, starting to take its toll on the quarterback, Sam Darnold. All this talk of Heisman, you know, uh, I'm having to, I'm starting to wonder, Gary, if, if it's not causing him to press ever so slightly. And, and what I mean about, by that is there are several throws that if you would ask Darnold, he, he would probably like to have back. And he potentially or nearly threw two interceptions that were virtually dropped. And I, I had to ask myself the question, is Sam Darnold at that point, Gary, trying to throw guys open, or is it just a product of not having enough game time experience with some of the receivers that he's currently throwing to and understanding how they're going to react and adjust in situations? Because last year, some of the throws that were that were uh, made that were off off its point in Mark were caught last season. And I think it's a valid point, and you hear Clay Helton addressing it in the post game last night, saying. Hey, how are we going to get teams from loading up the box against us? We got to hit some downfield passes. We got to do that. Right. And uh, you know, yesterday the longest pass was 19 yards. He he did have a beautiful completion to Tyler Vaughn's that was unfortunately out of bounds, but it was a very nice play. But I think that's a big thing right now, Daryl. It, it just the USC offense is putting up some good numbers, but it just seems like that flow that maybe we saw is not there yet. Um, a lot of it could be injuries. There are some injured guys banged up. But I think your your point is very valid. I think that comes into maybe some of those fourth down decisions that you were talking about in terms of decisions that are made by the coaching staff. Talk about that. You, you know, and again, pressing isn't always just on the field level. Sometimes uh, a coaching staff could could have the illusion that they have to match wit for wit against an opponent. Now, now bear in mind that this offense of USC, when healthy, is very capable of being as explosive as anyone in the country. But need this team be reminded that they have a very sound defense that if given the opportunities to force a team to come down the field, uh, I would give the nod to USC's chances of getting off the field before a touchdown or field goal uh, is, is kicked by an opponent. But when, uh, when, when USC's defense is forced to, to defend a smaller field, the margin for errors is greatly um, swung to the side of the opponent, and that's what we're seeing now. So for, for me, 
I think that some of the adversity that USC is forced to overcome, especially in this game against Cal, was self-inflicted. You know, going forward on fourth down when the numbers would probably tell you if you're looking at this thing unemotionally that either you you, you kick a field goal or you pin your opponent deep into their own field and force them to come down. The game was clearly close enough or at hand and early enough in the game where I didn't think you really had to go for it and cause a stadium um, to go ruckus like that. So I'm starting to wonder if this would be a good point after four games, Gary, to have you know an evaluation check. Are we putting our players in the best opportunity to be successful um, considering the limitations? But also, how can they avoid putting themselves in these adverse situations? Well, I, I think it's taking what the defense gives you on the offensive side, you know, and and maybe not taking as many risks uh, when the game doesn't dictate that. And, and you bring up the defense, Daryl, and I, I think that's where we have to go next when you talk about what happened for the first three quarters of that football game, and it was 13-13 to heading into the fourth quarter. And Cal certainly felt like they had a chance in that football game. Um, you, you have Chase McGrath get up there, and he gives the Trojans a 16-13 lead. What a big kick with 46 yards uh, to, to give a lead on that one. But then the defense took over, and Cal certainly helped. That quarterback didn't make some good decisions. But I just love the way you had Josh Fatu, you had Christian Rector, Usena Uwusu, Uchenna Uwusu, and then it seemed like every defensive back basically got an interception in the fourth quarter yesterday. That was fun to watch. It, it truly was, Gary, which, which is causing me to think that with the experience of this team and the way that this defense is really designed to play, that perhaps this team, if I had to use a boxing analogy, they're counterpunchers. You, you know, when, when they go up into a game and they get punched in the mouth, uh, this team seems to respond maturely, but they're delivering counter blows themselves, whether it's, you know, causing the six turnovers, giving the ball back to, to the offense, or it's the offense turning around against those six turnovers and producing 17 points of their own. Yep. Now, now you would clearly love to see uh, from start to finish uh, a well-polished team effort uh, where USC is controlling the narrative. But you never get a sense that this team wavers as long as there's uh, their seconds on the clock. They always feel like they have a puncher's chance to stay in this game. But but boy oh boy, certainly um, uh, you know uh, as as much as I love the the um, the turnovers that are caused, um, I just I just truly and I'm always going to go back to this. I'm I'm a stickler for not having to rely on those type of situations. Um, but but credit the guys that are starting to come in. You know, um, you talked about, about Rector and his performance, the two sacks, the two hurries, the forced fumble. You know, um, we always know what Musu does, but you know Jack Jones, those two interceptions. Uh, but for me, Gary, just in totality, it's just the effort of some of the reserves coming off the bench. Uh, Ikili uh, Ross. Key interception at a crucial time from somebody that wasn't expected to produce a lot. Things like that, I think, will bode well for this team moving forward, especially as they go into the heart of their, uh, their Pac-12 schedule. I, I love the quote from Ross. He was interviewed by J.J. Uh, Arbo in the group uh, post game, and he talked about how this off season I made a commitment to be a consistent ball hawk. Wow! Great wow. line. Yeah, um, it, it, it is. It is. 
but there was another line that was said last night, and, and that was by Clay Helton when he was talking about what you just mentioned about overcoming adversity. And you know, like it or not, it's something this this Trojan team has become well versed in this year. It's, it seems to raise its head pretty much every game at some point. And he made the comment, "This is the most strong-willed losing is not an option team I've ever been around." Yeah, you know, and and and. Uh... To coin a phrase that I believe was once given to the Cleveland uh, Browns, uh, we don't need to see the cardiac kids week in and week out. I'm glad that it's in your arsenal, <laughs> you, you know, um, but uh, the resilience of this team in that that uh, won't take a loss attitude is what is getting them over the hump. But how many times can you go to the well before, you know, that energy is depleted? So I, I think that what you do at the beginning of the game will oftentimes dictate the narrative of how you have to sustain the level of of, um, of execution throughout the game. Sometimes you can build yourself in mar- margins for error just by playing sound football and knowing when to give up the ball. But but give a lot of credit to uh, the way that this team reacts and responds to these adverse situations that they find themselves facing because it won't get any easier against Washington State. And I think it, it, it comes, teams take on the identity of their leader. I think that comes straight from Sam. I mean, yeah. Sam is obviously the most non-pulsed guy out there, and yet with the inner fire to win. I remember a couple of years ago, Jordan Palmer compared that. They were talking a lot on the broadcast last night about a quarterback who is so consistently competitive on the field, intensely competitive, and yet off the field is so laid back. And several years ago, Jordan Palmer had pointed that out about Sam. He said he's so much like Leinert in that regard. Wow. What are your thoughts on that? And I I can certainly see those comparisons uh, because they're they're both, you know, um, very low-key, low-mannered. But on the field, uh, there's this competitive fire that that you sense. You feel that presence. And and they have such an – effervescence about the way that they go out and they perform that it forces guys around them to play above the fray to play greater than they than they believe they were capable of playing and and sometimes though gary um with that type of confidence in moxie you know um you sit back and you admire but then we forget that his his body of work you know, he just hit a complete season. <laughs> if amazing. you really look at it, 13 games, yeah, you know, in amazing. his career. So there's still a maturation maturation process that will only um, smoothen out with every rep that he takes in, in these critical game-type situations. But if the sample size is any indication, um, I, would, I would love to play for a guy like uh, Sam Darnold because he truly is a winner, and his team knows that um, – his intentions are always uh, for what he believes is best for the team. And now they may not always work out the best way, but make no mistake about it. Uh, the support that he gets from his teammates, they never knock his effort. And because of that, I think that that is why they show so much resilience, because they believe in their leader. And one of the guys that I really want to talk about from yesterday, uh, we, we get the news before the game that Ronald Jones did not make the trip. Um and so it's okay. We know we're going to have to turn to Stephen Carr and a little bit of Avai and a little bit of Cedric too. And those two guys, I like what they chipped in as well. Um, but what Stephen Carr did, and here I'm going to give you one of my favorite parts. of the, I have two favorite parts of what he did, Daryl. One, he puts the ball on the ground early, but the way he responded. The way he, responded. he didn't let it get to him. It did, didn't bother him after that. He, you could tell it meant something to him to right. put the ball on the ground. He doesn't do that. Um, but it was his touchdown run. Uh, 
where he met up with Devontae Downs, two-time Pac-12 player, defensive player of the week, uh, senior linebacker. And he squared up with him and got low at the two-yard line and powered his way into the end zone. Daryl, how much does a run like that from a true freshman get him respect in a veteran locker room? It, it really does, Gary, because it's one thing, you know, to be a human highlight and juke you know somebody out of their socks but it's another thing to lower that shoulder because that's when you earn your stripes you really do they want to know in the trenches are you going to back down from competition or are you going to deliver the blow and yesterday i thought that on that run that that car was the uh the hammer he delivered the blow and and i thought that 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 sense of physicality that he showed earned uh, another stripe in the right direction for um, for him as, as it pertains to how his teammates embrace him. But, you know, for me, Gary, it's the way that USC uses him. They mm-hmm. seem to maximize and effectively get the most out of him, whether it's, you know, running in between tackles, which I wasn't sure that he could do, but he proved me wrong, you know, running off tackle. I always knew he could do that. But it's his escapism out of the backfield becoming that, extra receiver uh that you know that that safety vessel for uh darnold that impresses me most to have confidence in a young um player such as him but trust him with the ball in any of those circumstances is only a tribute to the type of talent that uh, Stephen carr possesses they think, think about it you know 20 carries but also six receptions right. that's that's a nice number that, that that is a nice number you know and and so um, he he is one who seems to thrive under these circumstances and situations. Now we're all hoping for a speedy recovery with Rojo, but I can see how uh, you know twenty carries. I, I I didn't think he was going to be able to get there, but he can certainly carry the ball more because he didn't seem to wilt as the game wore on. He seemed to be just as energized as he was in the first half. Yeah, and as we were mentioning earlier, that the Cal defense was playing physical. Um, yeah. and so they were bringing it on him. So, yeah, kudos to Mr. Carr. I want to mention one other guy on offense before we flip over to defense, and that's Tyler Petit. Uh, a guy, obviously, you know, we're without Daniel Imitor Bay 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 right now, but you've seen Tyler consistently in that two, three, four catch mark, and yesterday I think was obviously his, uh, his best game, and kudos to, to, uh, Tyler getting a touchdown in the, in the Bay Area where he's from. A lot of family and friends there, but, uh, offering a nice steady option right now, Daryl, at 260 pounds. Yeah, just just really blue collar and, and gives uh, Darnold yet another weapon. Uh, run after the catch, I thought was very impressive. When most guys are just happy to catch the ball and you know and just kind of fall like tree trunks, um, but but you know to see the run after the catch and the effort to get into the end zone, I think that's becoming infectious uh, of this whole team. Um, um, uh, Memories of Imator Bebe of what we saw last season run after the catch. So if he can continue to offer just that type of versatility and give this offense another dimension, it's going to force the defenses to start fanning out and, and really have to respect everybody across the board. And then let's flip it over to defense. Uh, we, 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 we talked a little bit about the guys on the defensive line, like we're talking Josh Patu and what he did, Christian Rector, Nwusu. Uh, I really thought those guys helped bring it home. Uh, but what I really want to focus on today is, is the secondary and particularly the corners, y- y- your position. Um, we, we, we saw that Ross Bowers throws for 300 yards. Uh, you've got some quarterbacks, particularly next Friday night with uh, Luke Falk and Mike Leach calling the, calling the plays over there. Um, 
I want to know what you're thinking right now because we saw a lot of corners in this game. By virtue of getting the lead, we saw some reserves as well. So um, there's a lot of guys that we can talk about. Give us your thoughts on where things at right now and what things, some things you might look to do in the future. Well, first and foremost, okay, and and this is a very touchy subject for me because I am a corner and uh, and I love my corners and I'll always try to defend them when it makes sense. But when it doesn't make sense, I also think you have to be honest um, because a win is a win is a win, but then there is – there is correction, correctable moments within the win that I think that are teachable moments. And in this in this season, the way that it's shaping up, I would love to see Clancy take a leap of faith and flip the two corners. Meaning, Iman Marshall right now, if we're on the offensive side of the ball looking at the defense, most quarterbacks are right-handed. So Iman Marshall is on the left, the defensive left side. Oftentimes you see more combo routes. You see a receiver off the line of scrimmage, Gary, a tight end on the line, okay? Um, that receiver, that, that flex receiver off the line of scrimmage, see, we call him the Z, it seems to be giving uh, Iman, Biggie Marshall, issues. Uh, because he's off the ball, Iman is a bigger corner. And he needs to. He wants to uh, man up and, and get his hands on the receiver. USC has him playing off the ball, where he's uncomfortable in space right now, reading these combo routes. I'd like to see Jack Jones over there because Jack Jones would have help from a safety, and they can pattern read and run combos. And he's a little bit more elusive, fluid in the hips. Whereas Biggie put him on the line of scrimmage, reduced the amount of reps, and you might see better production out of him. Um, but I'm not certain that without a bye week that USC is willing to tweak that that little thing. But it could be done, and it could be corrected during the week. Okay. Now, um, what I was happy to see was uh, the likes of an Isaiah Langley and uh, Ikili Ross, if I'm pronouncing his first name right. I apologize if I'm not. But Ross and Langley getting them some much-needed reps in this game um, is only going to help this offense, uh, this defense as they go up against a more potent offense that is going to try to identify those matchups. And best believe, if USC doesn't correct these fundamental mistakes uh, 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 about how these corners are pattern reading and, and, and playing their leverage points, um, Mike Leach and that offense will identify ways to isolate those matchups and try to exploit them. The other thing that I thought we, I saw, what I believe was an aberration, was just a poor matchup with um, the safety, Marvell Tell. I, I thought him up against the kid number nine, Noah from Cal, I thought mm-hmm. it was just a bad, bad matchup, and I was glad to see uh, Coach Helton call a timeout to make some corrections, change up the coverage. They went from one high safety to a quarters, two high safeties, and it looked like cover two a little bit. But mixing those disguises up, confusing the quarterback, is what's going to take pressure off of the corners, force the quarterback to hold just a step longer so guys like Christian Rector can get to the quarterback and get their, uh, their sack cost fumble. Yeah, that uh, to, to see that activity down there, and, and the point was made in the post game, talking about how a good pass rushing and the way the defensive linemen are getting their hands up, how much help that is to a corner, a corner's best friend. It, it truly is, Gary, because it, it, you know if a quarterback releases the ball a step uh, before the receiver gets out of his break, advantage to the corners. Uh, but the longer that the quarterback gets to hold the ball, the, the longer it forces these corners to hold up. And I'm not certain that 
that that this group is wired that way. I think that they're um, they're good for about two and a half, three seconds at most. Anything beyond that is too long. Okay, and then one one last guy I want to mention here is uh, our walk-on kicker Chase McGrath. Um, just incredible. He's made five kicks in a row, but 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 really it was that first kick at the beginning of the fourth quarter. I mentioned it earlier. Just this kid has already shown us again, Texas, the kind of nerves that he has. But to walk out there and kick a 46-yarder in a tight football game in the fourth quarter on the road, very nice, Mr. McGrath, and then followed up with two more. It, it truly is, and this kid, in so many ways, Gary, re- reminds me of Deontay Burnett, waiting for his moment, seizes his moment, and doesn't look back. <laughs> now, now, both of these kids, McGrath comes from a very strong program with, with high expectations out of modern day. However, you know, you're playing at at the highest level of collegiate football, and you come in and you're not phased by, by the elements. Um, you've earned my respect. You know, I'm calling you by your last name as opposed to kicker dude. So I love right. the fact that um, that we recognize who he is, and he is comfortable in his own skin with giving um, that part, that element of this team, the assurance that in a crunch situation – that he will mentally be prepared to take on those challenges, and he is coming through and passing with flying colors so far. The final point I'm going to make in this is that you compared him, you know, similar to Deontay Burnett. What does it say about Deontay Burnett's standard that he had nine catches for 72 yards and a touchdown, and we didn't even mention him in the podcast until right there? Uh, a sh- a shame on me because he's Mr. It- consent- Mr. Uh, consistent. But it's just to the point that that shows how much we did. Yeah, that's what Deontay does. Yeah, you know, and, and I, where would this team be without his presence right now? Uh, so for, for me, he's the MVP of the offense thus far. I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. Well, the Trojans move on to uh, Washington State next week, sitting at 4-0. For Daryl Vidal, this is Gary Pasquitz. You're listening to the We Are SE Podcast.